Um, our first passage for today is Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. In the Pew Bibles, it is page 822. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For, for, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The second passage for today is Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And that is page 800, or 983. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all aged, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For him the whole fulfillment of deity dwells bodily. Thank you, Sarah. It's uh, really great to be home. I, I just got back from the Native American Reservation on Thursday night. I'm still tired, <laughs> okay? Uh, and um, yesterday was an absolutely incredible day. We, you know, I was, my family was out at the, um, at the park watching our team mostly win. And then, <laughs> and then, and then well, it didn't turn out the greatest at the, at the end there. Um, but uh, it didn't matter. Our fellowship was really great. I got all sunburned. And then we went to this fantastic wedding yesterday. And you guys are making me so happy. I, I missed you. I really do miss you. I really do miss you. Um, I, I miss my family. And I love seeing all these college guys. I, I, I love seeing Jonathan back. <laughs> um, I love seeing, you know, Roman and Angela back. Hey, guys. All right. And Teddy. Welcome to church, Teddy. And so um, it's really, I'm, I'm really, my heart feels really full right now. We're going to start a new series. Um, we just completed a, a five-week series on money, and um, we thought, you know, as, a, as we get toward the summer, uh, we'll, we'll shift gears, and we're going to do four weeks. Um, we've got five. Next week, we, you know, next week we're not going to have our usual service. If you do come and you're not for, you know, the, <laughs> so I think it's only a handful of you who aren't going to the retreat. Um, I think the youth service will be held in here, so you can join the youth service. I, I know that uh, the, maybe the message will be a little bit more geared to you, but Frank is a very good preacher, so I hope you'll come and, and worship the Lord if you can't go out to the retreat. Um, but over, we're going to do four weeks out of the next five, and we're going to start a series that I'm calling Lies of Our Times. Lies of Our Times. And Christianity is um, teaches us something that's that's uh, sometimes kind of a little hard. I mean, you can kind of get this in the mind 
that the whole world is fallen, that people um, live not unto God and truth and righteousness and goodness and love, but really for ourselves. And there's all kinds of little, little ways and sometimes very big ways that we live according to deceit and according to wickedness. And so um, we're going to start this series today. And what I'd like to do over, over um, the, these four weeks in this series is essentially hit a different lie, <laughs> hit a different lie that is very common and really powerful in our, in our culture. And the one I want to um, talk about today is I belong to myself. <laughs> That's a lie that I think is incredibly powerful in our culture and even among Christians, <laughs> Even among people who supposedly are supposed to know better, um, we, we may not go around exactly saying it this way. I belong to myself, but there's all kinds of ways that we assert this, this kind of belief. And so let's get into this in three parts. Um, part one, beliefs and spirits in an age. Beliefs and spirits. Beliefs and spirits in an age. And part two, I'm going to teach you about something called, I call autonomos. Autonomos and I believe I belong to myself. That's, that's the lie. And it really connects to something. Um, I'll give you a little more sophisticated way of talking about autonomos, all right? And part three, the pathway to genuine self-fulfillment. It's really, at the end of the day, if you believe that you only belong to yourself, actually, you're really enslaved. <laughs> you're actually enslaved. Um, but if you really want to be more truly free and be, have fulfillment in who you are, because that's what we all want, isn't it? At the end of the day, there's this person inside of us that's me, and we know that it's not complete. Who we are, who I am, isn't really fulfilled and complete. And that's what we're all running around in our lives. We're studying, we're working, we're looking for love. We're all these various different kinds of things, and we're this person that we want to become complete. Um, but there is a pathway to this, and it's not in the I belong to myself. So um, let's get into this part one. First, let's talk about beliefs. Now, um, I'm really thankful that our, our sister um, Sarah, she, she read the passages in, in the order that she did. <clears throat> so what, what I'm going to do is I want to give you a quick mini Bible study out of the Colossians passage. Because in a lot of ways, this Colossians passage is, is sort of the controlling um, passage for the whole series. And so I, I, I want to break it down a little bit. Um, in the Colossians passage, um, he, he goes on and says, I want you to know how, how much I've struggled. And, that, and then he has all these great um, hopes for the church of um, its Colossians. So um, just a quick point about the, the, the letter to the church of Colossians, most scholars think was not just a letter to one church. It's what they would call a circulating letter. Now, ultimately, all the letters... Um, that ended up being circulated as scripture, but specifically that letter was not intended to just reach that one church, but to reach all the region of churches. And the part that I want to get at is this part. Now, if you go to verse 3, I don't know if you have your Bible open at verse 3, or, or our brother probably set it up for you. Here we go. Christ, and then it goes, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ... That's, that's what it right, says right there at the end of verse 2. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now just, just stop for a moment. Most of us think that Jesus is, is some kind of religious figure, and he's going to teach us something about maybe about morality if you don't know that he's a Savior. If you're a Christian, you know that he is God and he is Lord and Savior. But I want to just, just push this forward a little 
Do you think that Christ also offers you wisdom and knowledge? Most people think that school offers you wisdom and knowledge, or really smart books offer you wisdom and knowledge, but do you understand that actually Christ offers you wisdom and knowledge which empowers your life? But it's, it's, it's actually kind of hidden, um, and there's great treasures in this. Now it goes on to verse 4. He goes on to say, I, I tell you this, this thing about Christ has wisdom and knowledge. Why? Because I say this in order that no one may delude you with, what? Plausible arguments. Now this is a, this is a real important issue going on in, in our society. Every society has culture. And in our culture, we believe things. And we believe different things. That's what makes one culture different from another. It's beliefs. Now, a lot of people think that um, beliefs, beliefs are just, you know, mostly we kind of think like, I, you know, these people believe in Jesus, and these people believe in Buddha, these people believe in Allah. And, and, I, and, and there's a lot of people in America, they call themselves secular, and if you ask them what they believe, they say they believe in nothing. <laughs> I believe nothing. Let me tell you something. Nobody believes nothing. <laughs> Nobody believes nothing. Everybody believes in stuff. And so what you believe, those ideas, are very, very important. And by the way, they're not always religious ideas, but are often believed not on the basis of like evidence and reason. We think that they are, but often they're based on a kind of uh, a faith. <laughs> a faith handed down to us by, by our forefathers, by our culture. And if you don't think this is true, all you have to do is just uproot yourself and do a little world traveling. <laughs> Go and spend maybe not just a week as a tourist, but go and spend some time in another country. Or if you want to do it even the easier way, just go in our city like Kevin and Courtney do and go spend some time with someone from another country or you know, in, in, in a culture right in our city that's not American culture. And you will find that if you just spend even a little bit of time with them, you're going to find out they believe things. It's not just an idea in our head. They really believe things. And those beliefs have power. And, they, and it, it, it goes out and has consequences in terms of how they live out their life. So let me, let me drop down to the verse that, um, this is verse 6 through 8, okay? As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, just, let me just stop for a moment there. Christians believe things. But it isn't just a head cognitive kind of thing that we believe. I mean, we, we set it up here in this profession of faith. So you notice, I believe in God. He's the creator. I believe in Jesus Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in this one holy Catholic and apostolic church, small c, not the Roman Catholic, but the small c Catholic meaning around the whole world. We believe these things. These are the things that if you, are, if you proclaim yourself a follower of Jesus, we're saying we believe this. And if, you, if you're not, and we're so glad that you're here, by the way, if you're not, if you don't consider, that you could consider these things that we believe. And then obviously you can see, wow, they believe this and I don't. But what I, I want to speak to the Christians, those of you who consider yourselves followers of Jesus, it's not just things that are in your head. You must, as it says in the passage, walk in them. You must walk in them. That it's something you believe in your mind, but it must drop down into the heart. And believing, it should be a whole person activity. So believing is not something that you do on a Sunday morning for an hour or an hour and a half. There's a lot of people here in America, they say with their lips that they're a Christian. 
Um, some will say they're an evangelical Christian, or some say that they're Catholic. And yet, they're incredibly shallow Christians, or maybe you even wonder if they're Christian at all. Why? Because, quite frankly, they may say in their mind or with their lips that they believe in Jesus, but they don't walk in those beliefs. And what we're doing in this series is what they tend to do is they walk in the things that are the powerful beliefs of our time and of our culture. Every society, every culture has things that they believe that are good and right and true. And as Christians, we can see that they agree with, with the truth that's revealed to us in the scripture. And we can affirm those things. You can go, do you know, you can go into a Muslim country as a Christian and you don't go, oh, they're Muslim. I can't agree with anything that they do. That, that's, that's crazy. They're human beings, right? And as human beings, we're all made in the image of God. And it's just so we have these truths from God, no matter what culture that you're in. But guess what? It's all kind of broken up and corrupted and poisoned by lies, <laughs> by wrong beliefs. Every culture has this. And so if you are a Christian, you have to learn. You're constantly learning how to sift the beliefs of your time and of your culture. And if you go and then move into another culture, you, you have to kind of do this all over again. You have to go, oh, wait, okay, I'm in a Muslim culture now. And what you'll find, this is really interesting, you'll find, I mean, so like, you know, let's say if you go into a very traditional Muslim culture, you'll see that it's obviously highly different than an American culture. But what you're going to find is that if you actually know what the Bible teaches, you're going to be like, that part of the culture is actually more biblical than our culture. Supposedly all the people that believe in Jesus in our culture, but my goodness, the Muslims follow this part of the Bible better than us. And then you're going to find some other parts of what they believe. You're like, okay, that's wrong. <laughs> that's, and because everywhere along the line, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to learn how to sift what is, what he calls, to not be deluded by plausible arguments. Now here's the, sort of the money verse that I want um, to, you know, in your mind for this passage. So uh, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. That is a, a, a love of a certain kind of wisdom. That's what philosophy is. It's literally the love of wisdom. Captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ, who has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's what the, the, the Bible is laying forward. And so, I hope this doesn't sound an overly, like, kind of abstract opening. I, I want to, like, you have to be girded to go out there and say, hey, this part of this thing. And by the way, these, these ideas are incredibly powerful and they are being dropped in by the traditions of our, I mean, okay, let me just stop for a moment here. Let's those of you guys who are young, okay, Let, and by young I'm saying under the age of 30. If you're 30 and under, I'm old enough to know that a lot of the things that you believe, you know why you believe them? You just believe them by prejudice because the older generation told you these things. It's tradition. <laughs> it's human tradition. The older generation told you these things again and again and again. You heard them in college. A lot of people believe these things because they went to college and then college is supposed to get you education and knowledge. And then, so some smart person with a PhD who's 40s and 40s and 50s handed this down, and where do you think he got them from, or she got them from? He got, or she got them from a philosophy and a human tradition, and handed it down, and then, then we all believe it, and then we go out into our culture, and we leave these things these out. We fight for them, we argue for them, and we believe powerfully them in our hearts. 
and we get angry about them, we defend them, and all these kinds of things. And it's oftentimes not based on anything more than human tradition, <laughs> quite frankly. Or let me put it in a little bit meaner way, um, human bias, <laughs> human prejudice. And so how do you know that's right? It could just be because, well, everybody I know is right, and there's the smart people. And quite frankly, it's very easy for a million people to get together and be wrong. And in fact, it happens all the time. I mean, do you think all those Germans, all those Germans who thought, you know, those Jews, millions of Germans thought it was good to gas Jews. I mean, that's great, isn't it? Or you can go back just right into our culture. We can go back. Oh, you know, millions of people in America thought it was good that black people should just always live over there and they should have less rights than us. It's called Jim Crow laws. And so that had to be fought for. That had to be learned. And now, of course, we're so confident about the things because, you know, those were right. But, of course, every culture thinks the things that we're so confident that we're right about. Guess what? You would be shocked in 30 to 40 or 50 years, your grandchildren can ask you, Grandma, do you really believe those things? And you ever say these things? And you're going to be like, ah, <laughs> right. Human traditions and prejudices. And so don't just, please don't just accept the culture. There's a, the beliefs, there are beliefs that we have, certain ideas. And then when we start to believe in them together, it creates a spirit. And that's what this culture is. There's a spirit. And as soon as you believe in something with more than one person, it's more than just you. Um, you. You ever notice this? You know, we love the Warriors. They're the best team in basketball. I mean, of course, millions of, you know, there's a million people in this, in this, in this area. We, we all believe this together, right? I mean, I mean, because if you don't, you're wrong, by the way. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with you, okay? Because I'm very confident that the Warriors are the best team in basketball. If you don't believe in it, dude, you're of the wrong spirit, man. <laughs> and so I don't know why you're not wearing those blue clothes that the rest of us wear. <laughs> I don't know why you don't jump up and down, you know, when, when, you know, when that guy named Steph Curry, you know, throws it in from 40 feet out. Why don't you jump up and down? Because we believe in him. <laughs> we believe in our team. And we jump up and down. And we wear the clothes. And we spend the money. And we do these things. That's the spirit of loving the Warriors. Now, I'm picking something that's generally good. It's, I think it's mostly good. Maybe it's, it's for those of you who are Lakers fans, you're like, it ain't good. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It ain't good, right? So, um, so but, uh, but you see what I'm saying? Now, let me just, just plug a few beliefs. If you're not sure that they're beliefs, and, and notice um, they're, not always, uh, they're not always religious. At least we don't consider them religious. But, okay, how about this? If I have enough money, I will be safe in life. And enough money, apparently, in Silicon Valley is something like $200,000 a year. <laughs> OK? I mean, I don't know. It's like it starts at 200. I'm like, I only make 125. That's not enough. I won't be safe. We believe this. Don't, don't tell me you don't believe this. <laughs> you, you believe this. All right? you, do, you believe this. All right? If you say, I, I, half of you, if you say, I don't believe that, Pastor, you're like, yeah. I don't know if I believe you, <laughs> right? Why? Because we don't say that we believe it, but then we act according to what we believe. You see, your, your life and your behavior and your priorities show us what we really believe. Uh, a few others. Uh, meeting the perfect soulmate will complete my life. 
getting into a great college and then having a great career in the perfect field will give me the deepest sense of self-importance and self-fulfillment. We believe this. I mean, I, I don't really quite believe this anymore because I'm old enough to have found out that that was just a lie <laughs> of plausible. I mean, some of you guys are like still chasing the career thing, and it hasn't broken you yet. It hasn't disappointed you enough yet. Right? Um, let, let me get a little bit other, other things. Um, Democrats are good. Republicans are bad. All right, let's flip it the other way. Republicans are good. Democrats are bad. Some of you believe it the other way. Democrats are bad. Republicans are bad. I kind of like that one, actually. <laughs> I'm a little bit more on that one, I'm just to give you some of my biases. All right? um, um, capitalism is a bad system that exploits people. Socialism is a bad system that exploits people. Actually, they're both kind of true. But we believe them. These are things we believe, and we fight for them. You don't just kind of believe in them. You fight for them. And then you go, that person believes in something really bad. <laughs> that person will not be my friend. Or we will have a very strange relationship, or they'll be my friend, but we're never going to talk about that. We can talk about the warriors, but we ain't going to talk about socialism or capitalism and then Democrat versus, and you, come on, this is right in your company. It's your coworkers, right? It's beliefs and spirits. Let's move to part two. Okay, part two, autonomos and I belong to myself. So I think one of the, the most powerful things that we believe in America, this is the biggest religion in America. Some people say Christianity is biggest, no it's not. It's not the biggest religion in America. The most powerful religion in America is I believe in myself. It's myself. It's, I call it the religion of autonomos, autonomy. Now, let me just make a, the, a autonomy, there's a good version. I'm here mostly talking about the bad. Autonomy, the good version is something like this. Your parents took care of you for 18 to 22 years. They paid for lots of stuff. And then you went to college. You got good knowledge. You developed good, you, you're mature enough to um, go to work on time, comb your own hair, pay your own bills, you know, and keep that job. And then you can actually meet somebody else. And then you can get married and have children and then like offer them this help so that they can become, have autonomy. That's the good version of autonomy. Okay, that's the good version of autonomy. If you're still 30 years old and you know mommy needs to come over here, daddy needs to come over and like kill the bugs in your house, that's 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 probably a bad. <laughs> you're lacking autonomy there, okay? That's a, that's that's the good version of autonomy. But this is what we do in 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 our society. I, I've noticed this. It's so, somehow that when you take God out of a society, you take something good and then we just blow it out of, all out of proportion. <laughs> Um, I'll just give you a couple examples. Privacy. It's good to have privacy because you don't want everybody in your business. You don't want the government in your business. But now we have to have an absolute right of privacy. Nobody can know my business ever, ever, ever. That's, 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 that's not right. But let's just go back to autonomy. I want to break this word down for you. Autonomy comes from two Greek words. Auto, which means self. Nomos, which means law. Um, I think autonomy, our autonomos, is the real religion of America. Most everybody believes that what is my life about? It's about me. <laughs> Who can I rely upon? Me. <laughs> Who gets to tell me what's right and wrong? Not God, not the government, not the church, not organized religion, not the Bible. Who tells me what's right and wrong? Who gives the law 
the rules for my life. Me, the self gives the rules. Auto, self, nomos, law. I'm the ruler and lawgiver and belonger of my whole self. I, this is what, what we're living in our society. And it's deeply, deeply problematic. Now, lots of uh, Christians go, well, I don't believe that. Like, that seems kind of obviously wrong. If you place it that, if you actually say it that way, and of course it sounds obviously wrong. But you know what we do? We don't actually, this is kind of how the human is. We lie to ourselves in our mind that you don't believe it up here. But then we go into our life, and then we assert it from our heart and against other people. We live in it. It's, it's, it's in here. Because like I said to you, belief is a whole person activity. <laughs> and it's really strange. Lots of people say, I believe something up here, but then they actually believe something different down here. <laughs> you can tell yourself in your mind, I believe this thing up here. And then from your heart, actually, in your habits, actually you're living out something else you believe. If you ask me what the number one things that, that we believe, including Christians, Christians, I think this is the big religion of America, and Christians, we have to fight this one. This is the one, I think this is the first, uh, this is why I kind of hit this one. This is the one that we have to fight the most. And do you notice it's a fight inside? It is a fight inside. It isn't primarily a fight with other people. It is a fight inside. Now, let me, let me offer you some things like this. Um, um, you know, we, we have this term called post-Christian or post-modern. And in a previous age, and I, I, lived, I have lived in both ages, it feels very different. <laughs> I mean, I assure you, when I was a younger man, I lived in a more Christianized America and a more modernist America. In the more modernist America, they said truth was given to you by science. <laughs> That's the public truth. And religious truth or moral truth is given to you by God. That's kind of like what the majority of Americans, they kind of like bifurcate along those two things. Does anybody think that's today? <laughs> that's not what people think today. And so today, you know where people get their truth? From, well, just themselves. It's not even based on evidence. And it actually goes, even not even your mind, it actually goes down to your feelings. That's really where it's coming from. And so... Um, if anybody tells you that you're wrong, and this is why people cherry pick. They go, they go to the church over here, but they go, I will buy into ABC of Christianity, but I kind of like this, this, and that. It's the Christian who, who says, I'm, I kind of like the Jesus thing, but I don't like the sexual ethic because I kind of like doing that thing on my own. So I'm cherry picking, see, because like, I, I get to decide. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Autonomos. Or I like the Jesus thing, but I don't like, you know, the way it teaches about money, so I get to decide. <laughs> or I married this person, and according to God, I made vows to God in front of all my friends and all my, uh, all, all my relatives that we're going to stay together till death do us part. Five years in, you know, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it anymore. <laughs> and I'm not, I don't know if I'm in love with this person anymore. And really, you know, it'll be okay. <laughs> It'll be okay if I leave this person. And, and then we even say other things to ourselves. It'll be, my, my kids, of course, will understand. And it'll be better for my kids if they know that I'm happy. You don't think people say these things? They don't actually, they live, well, this is how we live. Huh. 
So let me just, just throw out a, a few things that are in our society that, that, this, that these are the fruits of autonomos, or I belong to myself, right? Um, and if some of this hurts, I'm, I'm sorry, right? If you can recognize yourself in here, then probably, probably, very likely, very likely, you're, you, you have already started to buy into, I believe, I belong to myself, right? That spirit, that lie of I belong to myself, things like this. Um, you constantly think about what you want, what you want. You constantly think about what you want, what you want, you want. Actually, it annoys you sometimes when your significant other tells you what they want. It's kind of cutting into your time. And by the way, I'm guilty too. Like when my kids come, okay, we do this. I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be a professional Christian and, and a godly father. I'm like, it's annoying. Go away. <laughs> Go away, Elizabeth. Little one, what do you know, <laughs> right? I have my, this is my time. Constantly think about what you want, what I want. How about inability to commit? The inability to commit in every kind of way. You break up with girlfriend or boyfriend constantly, or you're afraid to pick up even a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or you can't get married, or you can't stay married, or inability to commit to like a church. Church. So church, you know that place you're supposed to worship regularly and love your brothers and sisters regularly, regularly, like, you know, like every week, that kind of regularly, right? Um, inability to commit, inability to commit because people pick, cherry pick the church. Like, I go to Safeway when I want to get the ice cream that I want. So now I'll treat church like Safeway, get, go there and get what I want when I want. See, because it's, it's, it's kind of on me. I belong to myself. It's based on that. How about some of these other things? Um, easy breakup, easy divorce. Ration, I already mentioned that, rationalization to our children. How about little regard with what we owe other people? Actually, what we th should think about a lot more than what I want is what we owe. <laughs> Actually, what we should think a lot more about what we should give to other people and actually what you really owe to other people. And, and we hate this idea that we're obligated and we owe other people. But you do. You do. Anything else is a crazy lie. And we've, talked, we've said this thing so it's become a more plausible lie, more plausible, more plausible. But it's, it's, it's come on. We all, we all owe other people. Um, how about this one? Um, constant excuses we make for letting other people down. <laughs> Are you a person that other people say, you let me, you know, they, they tell you, maybe they're angry with you, <laughs> or they get really irritated with you, or they stop inviting you to things because you're the person who's always late. And you're always late because, because you always have a reason. And then you expect, you even demand that they have to accept your excuse. You have an excuse, and for you, it's a perfectly good excuse. How could anybody not possibly understand this excuse? And then when they get upset about it, you just think you're a bad person. <laughs> but guess what? You, you said you'd go be there. You're supposed to have shown up for this kind of thing, and you let them down. <laughs> Even something as simple as like a let's get together for coffee, and then you're 30 minutes late. That's, that's a relatively easy one. But how about? I thought you'd be my friend. I thought you were my friend. And when my, bro friend, my boyfriend broke my heart, 
you totally ignored me. You totally ignored me. Or I thought you were my friend. And I lost my job, and I was going to get kicked out of my apartment, and I had no place to go, and you didn't care. How about that? And so we let people down, and then we have reasons, because we always have good reasons, of course, but at some point, shouldn't it be more that those, we should look a little bit more suspiciously upon our excuses and our reasons instead of looking suspiciously that they won't accept our excuses and our rationalizations, right? Just a few more. Um, Constant focus on me and whether other people like me and if I'm okay. <laughs> Constant focus on me, whether people either like me, I'm okay. By the way, there's a word for this. It's called narcissism. <laughs> it's called narcissism. You walk into a party or you, you, you go to a gathering and you don't actually have a great time at the gathering, even though people are really cool and they're having a fun time. And because mostly you said that thing, and you're worried that the person would think that what you said there was a dumb thing, but they probably don't even really remember, but you, you're worried about that thing. <laughs> and that preoccupies you further. Or, 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 oh my gosh, my hair was different, and maybe other people will think that my hair looked bad, and you worry about that. Or you go home after a gathering, and then for an hour, you, you go through this whole like replay. You replay the event, and you think about all the words that you said, and will they like me? Will they not like me? Was it smart? Was it not smart? And then you judge yourself. Do you do that a lot? Huh. Do you do that a lot? It's about me. I belong to myself. And, it's, and it, it, there's like a real downside to this. It's part of it. All right, let me finish up this because this is already getting dark and depressing, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, it's depressing for me, too. It's like, ugh. I, I, I listed all of these and go, ugh, guilty of that one. That stinks. All right. Um, unwillingness to be generous. You rarely ever sacrifice for others. And how about this one? You're lonely. A lot. And if you were to count up all the friends that you have in your life, you would go, oh, I have this friend. You would run out of friends before you got to the end of your fingers on one hand. Are you there? Is that part? I, I, I'm sorry. That, that, I know that one hurts. It's autonomos. I belong to myself. I belong to myself. I belong to myself. This is, all, this is all that plays out of it. Now let me close this message. You want yourself to be full. The, the, the scripture in, um, has, has this thing in Psalm 23 that my, the Lord is my shepherd and my cup the old the, the King James used to say, my cup runneth over. <laughs> Your life is like a cup. Does it always feel half empty or really dry, or does it run over? Your, your, your life, yourself, does it run over? And if it's starting to learning, we, we all want to run over. Like there's, it's so full, you can feel it's fulfilled. It's filled. And there's a pathway to this. And finally, let's get to this, the second passage, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. This is a really deep and profound passage, but I, I just want to push back through this passage. This is Jesus. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I won't preach on that one. That one's kind of tough. But let me 
offer you this verse. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Everybody, we all assume in our culture that if my life is to be full, I have to get more you know, what, what is this? You gain. You gain. You, what will it gain you if you could gain the whole world? You gain more money. You can just gain more achievements. You gain the great college. You gain the great career. Everything. I mean, I'm not even just talking about having a good career. I'm talking about having maximum, max career. I'm not talking about just making it to your profession, but maybe making it to the top of your profession. I'm not talking about just making good money. I'm talking about making massive money. The best. But Jesus is saying, what good is it if you have all these things but you lose your soul? Which is another way of saying you lose yourself. Yourself just gets lost. The way our culture believes, this is one of the, the, the really plausible lies. It's a very powerful spirit in our age. Is that I, if I just get more from me, more from me, more from me, then I can be filled. But it's strange how we, like if your life is a cup, you're getting more and more for you. You can get more and more money, more and more achievement, more and more career. You know, you, you, you go, I think she's a good girl. Oh, you know what? Better. I can get better. You break up with her because I, I think I can get better. You break up with him. Oh, you know, I think he, I can get a better guy. Right? And yet, we, as we keep doing this, the cup doesn't feel filled. Let me give you one example, and then I'll, I'll close with the gospel. Let's just use the one of marriage. Hmm. Marriage is actually one of the, it's, uh, it's not your career. <laughs> it's not your looks. It's not your money. One of the biggest factors, and, from, and the, the majority of people need to get married because you're lonely. And one of the ways that God offered this to you is marriage. Actually, if you have a good marriage, it's one of the most powerful things that will give you a happy life. You know that? It really is. And I've been married now almost 20 years. I absolutely can tell you it's not the money, it's not the looks, it's not the career achievement. <laughs> Nothing compares to, as like, except for Jesus, next to Christ, I will tell you the number one thing that has made me happy in my life is having a good marriage with my wife. And I've known our marriage when it was bad because I was wrecking it. <laughs> and so I've had like, you know, 20 years. I would say the first seven years, it was a bad marriage because I was mostly screwing it up. And now we've had mostly 14 good years. I, so I've, I've kind of experienced both ends, both ends of it. But you know what marriage is? Marriage is giving up yourself. When you get married, you don't get to constantly be, it's me, demand that the other person serve me. Go out. You actually have to give in. You actually have to give. You have to lose your life. And then in the other person, you gain your life. It's, it's really oddly paradoxical. I'm talking about something that you can all relate to. I'm not talking about a spiritual thing that has to do with God. I'm talking about a wisdom from Christ, see, that has something to do with very tangible reality here called marriage. And by the way, if those of you who are single, um, you want to have a good marriage, you should start practicing giving yourself. You should go on a date, and then instead of thinking about, like, okay, like, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that. Instead, how about learning to be self-forgetful and give yourself to your date. Serve your date. Be interested more in her than in yourself. 
be interested and give yourself more to him than yourself. Oddly, they're probably much more likely to find you attractive. And you're beginning to practice real life. This is the pathway to, it, the real pathway to self-forgiveness is self-emptying. It's really weird. It's really weird. And it's commitment. And it takes a lot of character. And this is why marriage is so hard. Because we enter into marriage and we all believe autonomos. I belong to myself. How dare you say I can't do this? And but that's exactly what's going to happen when you get into a marriage. You get into a marriage and your wife's going to be like, you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't just leave your socks wherever you want. You, know, you can't just eat like Doritos whenever you feel like. It's like, what do you mean? I belong to myself. I get to eat Doritos when I... Uh, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Why? Because literally, man, you belong to her. You belong to her. She has every right to say, clean this, pick up this, <laughs> eat this, don't eat that. She has a right because you belong to her. And ladies, of course, you belong to him. And actually, as you begin to self-empty and die to yourself, you give yourself up, you actually will find yourself. It's really weird, but it's true. But we hate that part. <laughs> we fight her, and you fight yourself, and you actually have to fight yourself more than you even thought you'd fight your spouse. Now, let me close this message. Um, it says in, the, in Colossians that Jesus Christ is the fullness of Wisdom and knowledge. This is one of the most important pieces of wisdom and knowledge. And one of the wisdom and knowledge offers you is, well, lose yourself. Lose yourself. And what do you say? What are you saying? Lose yourself to me. Because we who give ourselves to Christ, he's the ultimate husband. It's like the ultimate marriage. <laughs> you give yourself to be a part of his bride, and then we belong to him. <laughs> we belong to him. You know, if you belong to Jesus, he will always take care of you when you feel like your money is getting low. He will take care of you when you feel like your looks are not good enough. He will be your friend when you're deeply lonely. He will say you have worth and meaning when you think that you've destroyed everything and you don't have any worth. And when you have hurt him and offended him and sinned against him, you know what he does? He forgives you. He washes you. You know why? Because he owns you. <laughs> He'll never give up on you because he paid his blood to have you. And if you will give up your life to him and then walk in that belief, walk in obeying him, walk in being belonging to him, walk when he says to us gently, please, please do this, don't do this. He never tells you to do things just arbitrarily. He never does it because he, he's some kind of like a tyrannical king or a tyrannical husband who's just trying to get his own way. Whatever he asks us to do, whatever he tells us to do, is blessing, love, always. But you can't find this out until you give up yourself to him. Would you walk in that, please? Would you walk in that? And find that in there is your deepest freedom and deepest, deepest self-fulfillment. Let's pray. A deeply self-centered, narcissistic, even narcissistic. It's like we, we wake up, I wake up, and I 
okay, I'm not narcissistic for the first two hours, but for the next two hours, it's all about me. Lord Jesus, how do you love a people like us? But you do. And boy, have you loved us. You have loved us to the nth degree, to your blood, even unto hell and back. And you don't just tolerate us. You have mercy and grace. You give us the balm of your friendship, of your persevering love for us. Even though we say, I belong to me, I don't belong to you, Jesus. Well, we, we, we say with our lips, I belong to you, Jesus. And then Monday through Saturday, it's all about me, I belong to me. I pray, Father, that um, I know this is, a, this is a tough, hard message, that you would, um, your spirit would come down upon us and you would give us the balm of remembering that this, that this most incredible person to belong to the very Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the deepest lover of our hearts, minds, and souls, Jesus. Herein, if we would lose ourselves in him, we would gain ourselves. I pray, Lord, we would lose ourselves to you and die to you and give ourselves to you and let you truly be Lord, Lord, boss, king, the final word, even when we don't like it. We would submit to you. We would surrender to you. We would obey you. We would follow you. And therein, you would lead us to a cup that overflows, to streams of living water. You would lead us to yourself, life upon life, the way and the truth, the life, which would fulfill our very selves and give us life, not death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.